0: Men Podcast the Jack White and Third Man Records History Program, and I am your co-host Paul Kaminsky.
2: And I am your hopped up on ginger beer co-host, James Kaminsky. How you doing, James? Popped up on ginger beer,
0: Paul. Oh, that's right. You just said that. We are entering into a new pair of John. Jack White. Oh. Yeah, right. Pair of Jack White albums. And that is um, a first not just in his career but for the show certainly and the album releases which you know normally kind of take place in the summer and stuff we don't we're not always recording or in season when the albums come out so it's kind of cool that we're coming up on two new Jack White albums and he's once again given us lots to talk about here so we thought mm-hmm. we would kind of kick the party off early by doing something we've never done before with one of these album analysis type shows is we're going to talk about the album cycle beginnings for Fear of the Dawn. And then uh, next week, we're thinking about doing one for Entering Heaven Alive. And again, we've never done that before. We usually just sort of talk about all of this stuff in the analysis and review. But we thought we're so excited for these new albums. And we imagine you are, too, that we may as well talk about what we know so far how the album cycle started and then how it's going and what he's been doing and how these releases have been coming and because we've got a lot of information at this point. And so we're just really, really stoked. We thought we'd uh, we thought we'd just start talking about it. We couldn't wait, James. It's like Christmas morning.
2: Well it's yeah, like we said, it's uh, it's the dawn of a new Jack era. And then once we get there, we'll enter heaven alive. But before we get to all of that, James... Is there something we should stop smelling?
3: Hold up! Nope. Hold up! Hold up!
1: Hold up! Wait a tick.
2: Order! Order! One damn minute, everyone. Order! It's some additional context. Hold Up is the portion of the show in which we get a little bit of additional, as I said before, context about a bit of the show that we have talked about in previous. It's not a smell of fact, which is another segment of our show. This is more of a, huh, huh well, that makes more sense to me now yeah. sort of situation or, huh. oh. I get that huh
0: well this one isn't you know actually i don't even know if this is a good hold up actually this is just sort of a you know what this is more of a smell effect, fact actually
2: <gasps> whoa
0: i'm doing a three i'm doing a 180
2: false doing a 180 it's I, I it's smell of fact what is the most astounding fact the most astounding fact
1: the most astounding fact is the knowledge.
2: I Think I Smell a Fact is the portion of the show that's not holed up. <laughs> we get some additional context. <laughs> it's uh, the portion of the show in which we learn something new. Yeah. Uh, either from you guys or from our own research that has to do with the previous topic that we have talked about, and uh, it's just a little bit more information and we have smelled those facts so that you can whiff them, too. Yeah, so you can huff them. Now,
0: we alluded to this one in an earlier episode. But, James, what do you what do you know about
2: the Melvins? I know one of the Melvins... Don't say it. ...has strange hair. Oh, okay. I was going to say one of them worked at Princeton Record Exchange, but I think that's uh, someone from Ween. I think that's from Ween.
0: Oh, interesting. Uh, Well, they they have lots of Third Man connections because mm -hmm. Third Man has reissued certain Melvin's albums and they also performed and did a live direct to acetate performance in the Blue Room. No, but the Melvins are one of these not super successful in the traditional sense, but like very... Formative. Influential. Yeah, influential. Exactly. Like uh, when we were talking to Stephen Mercier on our Rock Hall of Fame episode, he was talking about early influences, you know. So I think that the, the Melvins definitely fall into that category because I believe like Kurt Cobain and stuff, he was like a big Melvins
2: fan, right? I think so. I know Blackwell's a big Melvin's fan.
0: Yeah, because didn't he and Olivia Jean cover a Melvin's tune?
2: They did, yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the one, the exact one, but yeah, it was on uh, the Third Man Public Access show in 2020.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I was on the old internet there, just surfing Just that away. old internet.
2: <laughs> just surfing. You know what <laughs> you know, I mean? Tangentially, I know I'm cutting you off here out of thought, but every time Ariel sees me on my computer, she'll ask me, what you doing? And I go, just riding them waves. Riding them waves? Just riding them waves, just surfing. <laughs> just surfing the internet. Just hanging ten and hanging loose. Yeah. Out on the ten. internet. Hanging ten. Yeah. Anyway, what were you seeing, doing? What were you people... doing out on that board paddling?
0: Well, let me tell you, sometimes those waters are murky. Oh. oh. <laughs> these These were particularly clear. I was on a wonderful Facebook group board thing. Called it's for a podcast called Something About the Beatles, and Something About the Beatles is an excellent Beatle podcast. Anybody's out there interested in learning more about the Beatles that are not currently listening to our Father's Yesterday and Today podcast.
1: Plug, plug, mm-hmm. plug.
0: And the fellow who runs Something About the Beatles has a separate page called Fab Four FAQ, which is a book he put out anyway. Long story short, he was talking about the Melvins because there was a photo he posted of the Beatles with Shirley Temple an adult Shirley Temple in 1965, I think, or four. And Shirley Temple's daughter was a big Beatle fan. And so Shirley Temple used her star power to go and get backstage and have her daughter, who was teeny tiny at the time, meet the Beatles, which I thought, wow, that's really cute. I don't often see photos of an adult Shirley Temple. I'm going to read through this posterino (laughs) here. I'm reading through this thing. And then he just drops in the midst of this thing that that little girl grew up to be a member of the band The Melvins. And I thought, Self, I recall these folks from the third man world. Yes. And then I uh, texted James at very early in the morning. And I find that very, very interesting. So I'm reading from a website now called Metal Insider. This is from February 11th, 2014. Today, the world is mourning the loss of former child star Shirley Temple Black. More than just a drink with no alcohol in it, Shirley Temple helped America out of the Depression in the 1930s, appearing in over 20 films as a tap-dancing Moppet. Is that a racial thing? <laughs> is that a raci- I don't know. It turns out, however, that her daughter, Lori spent some time as the bassist for the Melvins. In 1987, when the band left Seattle and relocated to San Francisco, Black, known as Lorax Black, joined the band. Dating frontman Buzz Osborne at the time, she remained in the band until 1991, appearing on the band's albums Osma and Bullhead. After which she left the band. After Nirvana brought on the new gold rush of Seattle era bands, the Melvins were signed to Atlantic. Lori briefly rejoined the group and has credit on 1993's Houdini, which Third Man Records reissued. Ooh. band one of the band's more popular albums buzz osborne has claimed that although she's credited on the album she didn't play on any of it <laughs> according to her wikipedia page black has since retired from music and has become a photographer um so i thought that was kind of interesting you know like i don't know anything about the melvins other than the third man connection and so to find out that shirley temple's daughter was not just not only in the melvins but she was a and not fan. just a drink
2: with no alcohol I know
0: yeah well metalinsider.com cutting-edge journalism uh he said from his podcast um I just thought that was kind of interesting and that we could all smell it together you know what I mean thanks
2: Paul for bringing that smell to us it's terrific all right cutting-edge journalism when I reflect on that fact
0: James, Fear of the Dawn is the Mm -hmm. first in a pair of Jack White solo LP releases coming later uh, at the time of this recording next month. In about a month's time from now, we'll have Fear of the Dawn. That's very exciting. So the first inkling we got of this project. Now, we asked Blackwell about this because you and I, or at least I, thought that that better peanut butter thing was a was a sign of the album cycle and in fact i think i even put that on our instagram
2: yes i mean we it, it made us excited because it's a recording of jack doing something weird yeah saying something backwards which if you, and, yeah. Yeah, if you play it yeah which you play it forward says you gotta make a, better peanut, gotta make a even better
3: peanut butter gotta make a better peanut butter gotta make a, peanut gotta make a better peanut butter gotta make a
0: yeah. And I think when we asked Blackwell about that, he said, I think that was nothing.
2: And I think he was wrong.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know because, I, and I got to tell you, I was listening real hard to the new, to Heidi, Heidi Ho. Heidi Ho. And there is a backwards segment. I was thinking maybe there was some peanut butter in there. Anyway, The long story short is we knew something was kind of up, you know, we were sniffing around a little bit, but on October 18th, 2021, a new Jack White single dropped and it kind of dropped out of the clear blue sky. I mean, I I think that a day prior, Dominic Davis had posted on Facebook about it. And I remember sending that to you, (laughs) but uh, this is via variety ever since Jack White's explosive appearance on Saturday night live last year. Fans have thirsted for a return to his stripped-down sound of his early career. And based on the new song he dropped Monday, we may be getting it soon, Taking Me Back. White's first new solo music in nearly four years combines that stripped-down rock sound with the scronking guitar effects <laughs> Love, those, love of, those the, <laughs> of the more experimental last album, Boarding House Reach. The single, produced by White at Third Man Records in Nashville, features him on all vocals and instruments, additionally... The hard-rocking Taking Me Back arrives paired with a genuinely gentler version, aptly titled Taking Me Back Gently. Uh, Taking Me Back can also be heard on the just-unveiled video game trailer for Activision's upcoming Call of Duty Vanguard, along with footage from the game in the newly-premiered lyric video for the song developed by Sledgehammer Games. Call of Duty Vanguard delivers World War II like never before, as players will rise on every front when the game launches worldwide on november 5th the title is the newest release from the blockbuster call of duty franchise yada 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 so that was our first inkling you know like our first like listen to the new
2: album although if you were a careful puzzle solving sleuth out there if you were a rough detective if mm. you will uh-huh. at the london show opening you would notice that In the phone booth, the yellow phone booth that they have at the Third Man London, there was a certain puzzle. I don't remember exactly what it was, but if you called a certain number on this phone booth, you would be able to hear taking me back early. So you could hear it (laughs) before everybody knew what it was uh, through the phone. Yes. Did people do that? A couple people did. Okay, but it's glimpse of a classic UK telephone box which is nestled by the door and plays secretive recordings of White's voice. It definitely was playing, taking me back.
0: Well, it was interesting. Like we, When we talked to Blackwell, we had asked him about that because I think you asked him, actually, why it wasn't played at the show, and I guess they thought that the new Jack White single, or they were going to release it in conjunction with Third Man London, and i think what blackwell's answer was that they felt that the new jack white single would overshadow the opening of the london location so the clickbait headlines would not be emphasizing that third man had opened a
2: london division all right uh october 14th paul yeah jack white posts a photo to instagram that says, I'm not one to post pictures of his food, but some damn interesting perioidea in my eggs this morning. It's no Jesus or Mary, but I do think it's the man in the moon. Ah. And if you look in the photo, there's a picture of eggs. <laughs> there, is, there is a glimpse of the 45 single cover for taking me back. And in the top left, it says "call me." It's blurred out, but it says "call me!" exclamation point nine six five pound pound seven one zero eight four two three. Now, people who took that number and went to the Third Man Records phone booth uh, were able to call that number, and when they did, they would hear a little snippet of "Taking Me Back." Amazing, amazing! I did not know any of that. Yes. So, uh it is just a little sooner than we we had gotten our first inkling as you had posted. <clears throat> yeah, that, but
0: that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I love that he does that. That he fucks with people like that. I mean, it's really <laughs> it's really cool. And you know the song, I'm he I'm happy he went out with a real strong track. Uh, because I think Taking Me Back and the gentler version are strong tracks. Uh, what were your yes. first impressions of Taking Me Back?
2: Hold on. I got to Google what perioidea is. It's a type of apophnia, which is a general term for seeing patterns in random data. Ah, interesting. Think, anyway, um, my initial uh, reaction was, this sounds like what I wanted it to sound like. This is what I wanted boarding house reach initially to sound like what i think a lot of people did which is um that riff rock yeah it was very exciting it felt like i got you know i felt like i got a present (laughs) it was it was like oh this is great uh and then taking me back gently pushed it over the edge for me and that i was like oh this this is we're back to lazaretto style jack and i am 100 percent into it and it was was super psyched and amped to hear them and to, to see that uh, Pokey LaFarge was on there yeah. and you got your other third man tastemakers, uh, such as Fats Kaplan and Dominic Davis, just uh, all lending their, their musical credits to it. I was extremely pleased.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that he made such a hard turn towards synthesizers in the last five years or so, because the Lazaretto era you're describing there is a very distinctly different sound than almost everything post-it. You know, like, they're they're entered at a certain point. Like, <laughs> at a certain point, the, the synth just kind of entered into his lexicon in ways that it never did before. And now it's almost inescapable. There's always some kind of weird, squawky synth on the stuff. And I'm not... Yeah, I like it generally, although but it is interesting that that his style has changed so much even in the last, you know, five years or so.
2: Yeah, the sound change went from a distinctly analogue sound. Yes. Even in even in recordings that were on it, such as The Crows or whatever, it was an analogue sound because it was taken lifted from a from an lp you know from a right. hunting record yeah 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 uh so it still had that 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 sound to it and everything was uh you know felt a little more organic and now now we have uh, the opposite of organic we we have the synthesizer has has taken hold and I, again i am not against it but i agree with you that it is a a bold new direction that has never found its way into his music, or at least found its way up front and center. Yeah,
0: I guess Help a Stranger was a little bit of a a return, but...
2: But even that. Even
0: that, right, has all this stuff. I mean, I guess I look at a song like Shine the Light on Me, and I think, okay, that's like a Lazaretto-style version of what a boarding house reach song was, you know? A little more like you say, organic, a little more feels like it was created by human hands kind of thing. Right. Whereas boarding house reach. I never got the impression listening to that album that it was created by human hands. <laughs> it felt like it was, uh, well, you know, robot stuff. I don't know.
2: Well, uh, I think it was another way of artistic expression and I, see it more as the fine artist in jack coming out Mm -hmm. in this because he's experimenting with sounds yes more than making traditional jack white tunes he's he's kind of making art now yeah i mean he he was always making art but it seems like it's it's a more one-to-one what he wants this to sound like he can tweak it in in post right um it's just, versus It's
0: just so weird though. Like that that flip, that directional yeah. flip. It's 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 yeah. so hard it's so abrupt the directional flip. And I don't think you could argue that it has gained him anything commercially. I think it's just I don't know, it's like a trip he's on, you know? Yeah, I mean
2: it's the Dylan goes electric. Yeah, <laughs> kinda. Yeah. It's yeah. it's he's starting to he's embraced change and that's okay. I uh I think he will find the sound he's looking for, and it'll be. It, we we get hints of it every now and then, um, right? And so I'm I'm excited when I get those hints. That's why I'm I'm particularly excited for entering heaven alive, right? Because yes. if we're gonna get songs like "Taking Me Back Gently" and "Queen of Bees." then I'm here for it. Is
0: Queen of Bees on the track list for Entering Heaven Alive? I believe so.
2: I was wondering uh, if that was an honest to God B-side. Uh, I don't believe, a B-side? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is on Entering Heaven Alive. It is on the track lists. Queen of Bees.
0: So, so far, I've enjoyed, I think, the Entering Heaven Alive tracks more. I yes. really like
2: Queen of the Bees. I, I know we're not talking about that this week. I mean, we're going to talk about entering heaven alive next episode, but Uh, yes, agreed. That said, it sounds like going back to my first impressions of these and later, you know, reading a little bit about it, uh, the songs that we got for taking me back and taking me back gently, uh, finding out that they were on two separate LPs and then seeing who was on them, taking me back. And now the new song released, Heidi Ho Uh, makes me believe that this new album, the first album, Fear of the Dawn, is going to be what Jack wanted to do by himself, a McCartney-style LP, which I think I have said on the podcast before. I think it is is a strictly Jack White venture versus the other album, which is going to be a traditional – these are many multiple artists playing actual – physical instruments yeah i don't want to say actual but physical instruments on a track
0: and and i there's value in both i mean i i'm so excited that we have both i'm so i'm so excited that he intuited that fans would be interested in both sides of his career in that way i miss the those days a little i've said this before too on the podcast but that acoustic tour he did in 2015 that's some of my favorite Jack music. You know, he really is a talent and to hear him with his fingers (laughs) and his vocal cords create these sounds is, and, and with all its imperfection, it's something that I really respond to. It's that imperfection. When I hear tracks from fear of the dawn, I'm hearing a lot of, perfection and i don't know if that's what i come to the table on a jack white album for really i'm not coming there to hear perfect i'm coming to hear somebody express himself in interesting ways using rhythm and blues and you know rock and roll and soul and all this country everything that he uses so it is it is interesting that that he has those those two sides are, are in not only in him, but kind of warring with each other. And it's interesting that he divided them into two different albums <laughs> to put them out. Now,
2: I want to look a little deeper into what you said about it being hearing perfect, because I I think I agree with you. However, I want it to be clear to the audience that these sounds are not like the perfect sounds or whatever, but they are exactly what Jack White wanted yeah. and where he wanted it in the track
0: maybe perfect is wrong, well, but precise how about precise
2: sh- sure but like he's hearing like in a song like Hyper Misophionic from Boarding House Reach I think those mistake sounds or whatever he was so interested in that he purposefully added those mistake sounds in rather than yeah. letting the mistakes organically flow and working around them yes which is
0: the normal that not not normal but that's the traditional Jack White fair, is that the mistakes yes. happen but they take you into different interesting places
2: versus the mistake is happened but then he doubles down on it right <laughs> So, yeah, I, I just wanted that to be clear. Like, these, clearly these songs aren't going to be... They, they aren't, like, the pinnacle of perfection or whatever. But, like, that it's its its messed with to the point of him... Right. ...being able to move stuff around and whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm talking more about execution. And, and maybe that's... Maybe purposeful or precision. You know, those words are maybe more appropriate. But I guess perfect is... What I, what I mean by perfect is very clean. Um,
2: yeah. I mean... It's clean in a gritty yeah. <laughs> way, though. Like yeah, it's yeah. still, it feels a little dirty still. But right. in a, but I know what you're saying. Like it, I think that's just the the synthesized effect of it all, though. It, and
0: that's it's, and that's the thing that runs so counter to everything we've been used to since up until 2018. 2018 was the big break. Somebody, I, fucking Chris Rock, really got in his head, like. <laughs> You know, up until 2018, there was a very certain kind of Jack White sound you could expect. And then right at that juncture, boom, it changed. But say what
2: you will, the man hates expectations.
0: Well, I get, yeah, no, none of this is a complaint. I just find it fascinating.
2: It is. It is very fascinating. And I mean, you say Chris Rock, but like, Q-Tips on Heidi Ho. He's in that time frame, too, when he, you know, Jack was hanging out with, with Q-Tip yeah. and, and Chris Rock and stuff. And, you know, he's still hanging out with them. And I am, I know we haven't gotten there yet, but I am thrilled to bits that we got some actual bars yeah, well. <laughs> on a Jack White album. But,
0: I mean, I guess I think, I think back at Jack White acoustic recordings, 1998 to 2016, as the last gasp of this, the Jack we were used to. Sure. And then it it very much it changed i mean the rack raconte- and that's that's the weird thing is like help a stranger is kind of an anomaly but also not really because it that help a stranger even then has
2: some oh, of he's that he's got the evh guitar and the yeah, Vincent guitar and all that right. stuff and so he's sounding a lot more uh synthesized i mean he's not he's obviously playing those guitars but it it's got that vibe to it where this is a new this is a new guitar right 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 that's right. what that's going to sound loud <laughs> yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. No. it's not from the 1930s or whatever um yeah so a full month a full calendar month later after the october 18th new single dropped for taking me back on november 11th 2021 the uh, album announcements for both fear of the dawn and entering heaven alive took place This is via Rolling Stone. Jack White will return to his prolific ways in 2022 with a pair of new albums, Fear of the Dawn and Entering Heaven Alive. Fear of the Dawn arrives April 8th, 2022 with Entering Heaven Alive following on July 22nd. White spent the past few years writing and recording both LPs with both touting different themes and inspirations. Tying the two albums together is the previously released first single. Fear of the Dawn opens with Taking Me Back, while Entering Heaven Alive closes with the stripped-down Taking Me Back Gently. Both songs arrived in mid-October and marked White's first new solo music in nearly four years. White also shared the official video for the track Thursday, co-directed by him and Laura Dunn. Fear of the Dawn also includes the track "Heidi Ho featuring Q-Tip, the A Tribe Called Quest rapper who previously performed alongside White on stage, at a 2015 Madison Square Garden concert which we saw.
1: Mhm. <laughs>
0: White's Third Man records will release both Fear of the Dawn and Entering Heaven Alive in a multitude of vinyl variants, including a Midnight Blue vinyl version of the former with a screen-printed jacket that's exclusive to Third Man Vault members. Both LPs are available to pre-order now ahead of their respective release dates. The albums are White's first solo LPs since his boarding house Reach in 2018, the following year, he reunited with the Tours after a decade-long hiatus for Help Me. <laughs> they call it Help Me Stranger. It's Help Us Stranger. Since then, the rocker has focused on the London branch of his record label, his vinyl printing press and design studio. Now, I thought we weren't getting a vault version. I guess it's just this available to vault members.
2: Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Not, it's not for the... It's not a vault, but it is a vault like yeah if you had to be a vault member in order to purchase it it's what they used to do a lot more they don't they, i mean i guess they've been doing it a little bit more but there was the the vault exclusive store where if you were a vault member you could you had access to novelties that other third man fans were, were not able to yeah to get to
0: they still have that stuff yeah like you said they still do that now and again i'm kind of interested in um understanding the reasoning behind that. Maybe when Blackwell's next on the show, we can ask him, but I wonder if they saw a hit, you know, in sales from from vault subscribe. I mean, honestly, they would probably want the vault dollars more because that's 75 bucks as opposed to whatever the
1: 30. I,
2: yeah. But I don't think they make money on those. I really don't think they make very much money on them on the vault. I, everything Blackwell's told us either to us or to the general public has made me believe that this is not it's not a a loss but it is not a you know money maker because i they have the design the printing the uh, the extras all that stuff to consider and then on top of it what the vault is supposed to be is a double lp of 45 and you know a little bit of extra stuff and all of that costs a pretty penny and then shipping on top of that Um, yeah, especially lately. I mean, they haven't raised
0: it that much. I mean, what, since 2009, they only raised it 15 bucks. That's not that bad, really.
2: Oh, it's great. It's excellent. As much as everybody is yelling at it now. I mean, they, yeah, (laughs) it's, it's really, it's not bad at all.
0: But anyway, so th- this is when we got the more elaboration on the two albums. And that was a surprise to me. I mean, I was also surprised that it was two albums, you know?
2: I think, yeah, that was the big biggest shock of it all. was like, we were expecting him to announce an album probably soon. I mean, I guess I, I said it earlier, he, he hates expectations. So he wanted to yeah. take all of this music and... I guess spread it out into two albums because I guess the sound of them, the music, sort of especially from what we've yeah. heard is very, yeah, it's very different from one another. Um, and he possibly wrote them at different times. It's I can see this new album either being exclusively early quarantine stuff, or I can see this new album being like straight after Boarding House Reach scribbles like these are what he was expecting to come out with before covid happened right and then covid happened and he had more time to work on it and he had more time to write more music
0: yeah i mean and we talked to ben jenkins and you know he had elaborated to us that jack had talked to him about having this glut of material i guess i was surprised that it was not three LPs <laughs> um, instead of the two. is is two. He is, uh... Because that brings... Well, there might be a secret third. Well, that brings... Yeah, because that brings the tally on his solo releases up to five,
2: which is... Or six if you count the acoustic recordings.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So again, well, but what the years, James? What are the years? I'm just kidding. 1998 um, to 2016. Via enemy. the records are two entirely different albums that are each defined by different inspirations, different themes, and different moods. The official Third Man Records copy for Fear of the Dawn says, Fear of the Dawn is the fourth studio album from Jack White, founding member of the White Stripes, the Raconteurs, and the Dead Weather. True to his DIY roots, this record was recorded at White's Third Man Studio throughout 2021, mastered by Third Man Mastering pressed to vinyl at third man pressing and released by third man records. So much like Kanye's weird done to two stem box.
2: It's yeah, those words, (laughs)
0: it's kind of pure, not pure profit, but like he has an infrastructure now where he doesn't have to turn to other avenues for this. So, I'm sure now that he's built all of this big, massive structure, Third Man Records, it's still an indie label, but it's it covers a lot of ground, as they mentioned in this official Third Man copy. It must be a, a lucrative move to be able to release that and not have to worry about the kinds of costs that you would incur from somebody you know, taking a cut as, you know, whatever United pressing or whatever mastering studio he used to use, any of that, it doesn't factor in anymore. It all feeds into the same machine. So I'm sure that, I'm sure they're all rejoicing that he was writing a bunch of music
2: because I I would imagine it helps keep them afloat. On top of that, we have him announcing his tour, the Supply Chain Issues tour, which is uh, the name... Is funny because that's what he's kind of avoiding. He's got his own issues with the supply chain or whatever for for the record pressing plant. But record pressing has become such a huge, yeah, popular thing now that there are backups upon backups upon backups of getting uh, to 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 even get your record
3: pressed on anything. This is Third Man Pressing, Third Man Records pressing plant that I built and opened in 2017 using my own money. It's 2022 now, and it's no longer a fad. Vinyl records have exploded in the last decade, and their demand is incredibly high. A small punk band can't get their record for eight to 10 months. And I now ask the major labels, Warner Brothers, Universal, and Sony, to finally build your own pressing plants again. As the MC5 once said, "You're either part of the problem or part of the solution." Thank you.
2: And so, the fact that he has his own pressing plant means he is he do, he doesn't have to worry about that at all. Right. Like I I was waiting for uh, I think I mentioned it on the show at one point, but I bought um Ariel's favorite band is AFI, and so I bought her the latest AFI record, uh, and that took you know they said it would come out in. March of 2021, and then I didn't get it in the mail until I think November, because just so much was happening in terms of the supply chain and then the demand and then the records, you know, that it just stacked up on itself. And then you had ship cargo like ships with these records (laughs) that are just not moving. and. The Suez Canal and so...
0: The labels had to prioritize the big sellers. So your Billie Eilishes, yep. your Taylor Swift's, that, that kind of thing.
2: Um, right, and your Olivia Rodriguez and all of them. Yep. Uh, what, what was the big... The Taylor Swift stuff is what... There was somebody... Uh, a big pop star who... Lana Del Rey. I think it was Lana Del Rey. The demand to press the records like outstripped the plants available to them or something wild <laughs> yeah because it was a pop record that they're pressing to vinyl like it's that hasn't happened in, yeah. in a long enough time so they don't have enough machines yeah the infrastructure is <laughs> not
0: there so i mean again jack has this intuitive you know really forward thinking attitude where he anticipates this stuff and built his own infrastructure <laughs> he said yeah. well i'm not going to be
2: beholden to them all he needs is the nurdles, the, the plastic pellets eaten, right. needed to, yeah. to make the records. And once he gets those, he's good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, then you have shipping stuff. But, you know, aside from that. Kind of keeps people employed. I mean, the guy, it, it is really
0: remarkable what he's built. And and it's interesting. I, I think I touched on this in our last episode with Amy Hart. But I, I do really find it, uh, you know, not to kiss his butt so much. I mean, not, not, not the word, not talking on a fan podcast about the guy but it is kind of crazy that this dude realized that he could because he could have just invested this money like real estate or something but instead he took his money and his fame from the white stripes and invested it into his legacy at such a young age that he could transform him so if the music bubble ever burst if people just stopped giving a shit he would still be pressing records and he would still mm. be involved in the business you know it's really yeah. kind of awesome that he did all that and he built all that and that, you know all these people who are looking to tear him down for being a recluse or weird whatever yeah i mean maybe he has certain eccentricities but the man is so fucking savvy um yeah it's really wild it boggles my mind sometimes so Anyway, going back to Fear of the Dawn. So the track listing for the record was also released in conjunction with the announcement. The record is 12 tracks long. We start with Taking Me Back, followed by Fear of the Dawn. Track three is The White Raven. Interesting that that is track three. Heidi Ho featuring Q-Tip. Esophobia is track five. Track six, Into the Twilight, followed by Dusk, followed by What's the Trick?, Followed by track nine, That Was Then, This Is Now, which I can only assume is a cover of the 1980s Monkees single.
1: That
0: was then, This Is Now. <laughs> track 10, <laughs> so. Is It esophobia Reprise? I don't know if we've ever gotten a reprise. Uh, in fact, I think we've talked about that on the show before, that we were hoping for a reprise and never got one.
2: Interesting. I don't know.
0: Uh, track 11 is Morning, Noon, and Night, and then the final track, Shedding My Velvet, which I love
2: that title. That's a really great title. Now, I just had to Google it because I I didn't at the time. I'm sure everybody who's listening to our podcast and heard this track list at some point did Google it, but isophobia is a rare but morbid fear of dawn or daylight. Ah, interesting. So, fear of the dawn. Fear Eizophobia. of the dawn. Oh,
0: there you go. That's interesting. So, yeah, not a lot you can glean from the track titles, although there does seem to be some themes happening there. On December 10th, James, you had alluded to this, there was a tour announcement, so that's the next step in the album cycle. A tour announcement, the supply chain issues World. Tour announcement dropped. This is via Music Row. Jack White has announced the initial dates of his upcoming Supply Chain Issues tour in 2022, which will include shows in North America, Europe, and the UK. The tour will celebrate the upcoming release of two brand new albums, Fear of the Dawn, which arrives everywhere via Third Man Records on April 8th and Entering Heaven Alive on July 22nd. The tour includes White's first headline shows in four years and will kick off with two special Fear of the Dawn album release shows on April 8th and 9th at Detroit's Masonic Temple Theater. The run will continue through August in Kansas City. Along the way, he'll play two shows in Nashville on April 30th and May 1st at Ascend Amphitheater. Tickets go on sale to General Public, 10 a.m. Friday, December 17th. Now, I got my tickets... I am going to Mm -hmm. see him at the YouTube theater on May 31st here in Los Angeles, California. He's going to be vlogging
2: right at you. He's going to (laughs) vlog all over me. James, uh, you're seeing him too, right? You got your tickets. I do have my tickets. I'm going to see him in Washington, D.C., and I'm excited to do that. And then I may or may not be seeing him in Baltimore. Still haven't talked to Mike about that. Yeah, got to figure that one out. But I'm excited for it, and it was a bold move for him to announce this tour when he did. Yeah, Co- COVID was still happening, mm-hmm. however, it was at a time when it was easing a little bit, and everybody was like, okay, maybe we could start doing tours again. Right. And then, I don't know about you, but Omicron then popped up, and I was like, oh, shit, not, well, this tour is going to get canceled. <laughs> yeah. Then Omicron's subsiding now, so fingers crossed- Fingers
0: crossed. Yeah. But interesting to note, and I wanted to bring this up to you, James. So he scheduled his UK dates after Glastonbury. I find that to be interesting. Because when you look at this listing of all the different dates and places and things, there's not a whole lot of festivals on here. You get North Charleston, South Carolina's High Water Festival in April. Mm -hmm. You get... Mad Cool Festival in Madrid, Spain in July. I think that is it. That is two festivals. Now, we know he hates playing festivals. <laughs> but I just find... And and it doesn't mean that more can't be coming. They could be adding... They could add dates. Yeah. But either that's him or and his team hedging their bets about COVID or... It's him purposefully avoiding festivals to say, fuck that. Because we know he doesn't like them.
2: Yeah. I mean, a a lot of festivals are still TBD because of COVID. So I think maybe a lot of places haven't booked their acts yet. And so like you said, there there could be more to come. I mean, hey, I'm fully expecting him to be at the When We Were Young
1: emo (laughs) concert or
2: whatever in Vegas. That would be... (laughs) i don't know i think
0: well, it's hard to say i mean i don't know if it's just he was done he's done with those doesn't he doesn't want to do them anymore or what but i mean i i'm happy to say i was able to see him at a festival once i saw him at arroyo Seco, fairly small not the biggest festival in the world but uh we know he hates him and we know that that's partially why he stopped touring for so long it's because he
2: was sick of the festivals but. Now, did you don your? No, I I know we talked about it, but I mean, when you go to them, you gotta don your flower tiara, yeah, and you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta get just real high on mushrooms, yeah, and I was nude from the kneecaps down for that one. That's right, that's right, and yeah, no, there's a lot of
0: molly. Yeah, I was I was in the mud, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul returned to earth. <laughs> On January 8th, we got a tour teaser to give fans a taste of what to expect from the upcoming tour. Jack shared a live practice video with him and his band performing Taking Me Back. So it's him, Dominic Davis, Daru Jones, and Quincy McCrary.
3: 'll
2: good to see them back his first yeah. solo tour
0: without a lady in the band hmm
2: that's interesting I mean if you don't count just the buzzards but yeah that's that's interesting. I didn't really think about that yeah because the last one had Carla yeah I'm shocked he didn't well, I guess Daru is
0: pretty you know, he likes playing with
2: women I mean he's said as much i mean he's been he's been touring around. Doing SNL and stuff with Daru and Dominic. Yeah, that's so I guess fair. it.
0: Yeah, I guess like proper tour. I mean that, that Bernie Sanders thing was him, Blackwell, and yeah, Dominic. But um, I'm excited for the tour. I'm really excited that he's got a, a you know a strong single heading into it. Yeah, I don't know what we're gonna see though because that band doesn't necessarily lend itself to the entering heaven alive of it all. Yeah, Dominic does, but that that's a power quartet.
2: that's a that's an interesting question i I guess quincy is going to to be a a heavy load will be put on quincy's shoulders for that sort of thing because there's going to be a lot of extra musicians that they'd be lacking at least on on some of the tracks from
0: i don't know if he's a multi-instrumentalist in the way that um you know fats is or whatever you know like i don't know if he would be able to pick up a fiddle and fiddle
2: oh i don't i don't know if he will but he's got the the keyboards that can synthesize a fiddle sound if he needs. Uh,
0: yeah. all right.
2: Or a facsimile therein. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm looking forward to the, the tour is going to be awesome. He looks good. You know, that blue hair is awesome. He's, you know, he's... He's got a new energy. He's got a, got a, big, a
2: renewed energy, a that energy that I'm into. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So then we get a barrage of interviews, radio interviews specifically. After that, we get uh, WMMR uh, radio interview... I pulled this from their website. White is widely known as a massive baseball fan, particularly of his hometown Detroit Tigers. So it should come as no surprise that Tigers baseball plays into various parts of his life. In fact, the opening night of his supply chain issues tour in Detroit coincides with the Tigers opening day game. So I guess he's going to run off and go see that like he did the last time. White said, it just worked out perfectly, you know. The Tigers opening day that afternoon. I mean, what else could you ask for? The album Fear of the Dawn comes out that day? We plan our tour around the baseball schedule of the M- of the major league baseball. So yes, that comes first and foremost before anything important that we're doing. Rush's Getty Lee is also a massive baseball fan and apparently that's something he and White have bonded over. We write to each other sometimes about baseball, said White. He has an incredible collection too of baseball memorabilia and stuff like that. Just what a nice guy. Such an incredibly nice guy.
2: Getty Lee. Who'd have thought that Jack and Getty Lee, They're hanging. Jackie Lee and Getty yeah. Lee together at last? Yeah. I think that it's very cute that they plan
0: their schedule around the. Around baseball I, games.
2: <laughs> Yes, I also think it's very cute that they are writing correspondence between Getty Lee and Jack White. Dearest Getty, yeah, I call you from the battlefield.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, on January seventh, Alt ninety-eight point seven FM
2: in Los Angeles. That's the Alt Right's radio channel. Yeah, not a great,
0: not a great name
2: these days
0: uh talked to jack white he said quote this first album is called fear of the dawn and it's
3: very hard Hard, like lots of really hard hitting tracks like taking me back they all seem to fit together and in that sort of box And, and then the other album is very mellow almost sort of like a sunday morning album to me and i you know i didn't get in and do it all at once either it was These were little sporadic bursts here and there, and then they started to get more and more intense. And then I found myself in the studio every day for weeks, and so that was that was great. And I knew something was cooking for my for myself, cathartically. (laughs) Yeah, was this a chicken to the egg thing where you said, "Wait a minute, I have all these songs that are two different sounds. Maybe I should do two different albums," or is this something that you plotted out to do? That was the plan from the beginning, or it just kind of fell in your lap that way. I usually just write and record and and then eventually it starts to tell me what it is. Uh, I, I usually don't say this is the kind of record I'm gonna make. I didn't in this case either. I just kept writing and recording as it was happening, uh, with no real urgency to it because of the lockdown. Because it's like, well, who knows if you know we're gonna be playing shows or when a good time another record would be to come out anyway so i wasn't really in in that mindset i was actually working on furniture more uh half the time but as things started to come together you know i started seeing you know live shows are happening and things are starting to come around I, I thought this is nice because these songs are falling into these sort of two categories for me. I think it would be good to put them out as two different albums and put them out both in the same year. So I hope, I, I've never done that before, something like this like releasing two albums in the, in, in the span of a couple months, so we'll see. So that's
0: interesting that he was doing it not even knowing if it was going to be able to be performed live. He didn't know anything. He was just recording. So, you know, I do find it interesting that... That's how he recorded this. He was just kind of putting stuff down and it was falling out in two buckets. And he decided, well, I guess, I guess I've got two albums on
2: my hands. It's not what I, um, this is the theme of the episode. It's not what I would have expected. He's usually the type who would style them, not, that's the wrong term, but, you know, weave them into a tapestry of an album track list. In in a way that would be you know interesting and exciting and and I'm surprised this came out as two separate albums and not just a large double album. But
0: a double album would have been cool. We've never gotten that before. But I let me throw this at you. That's what he does when he's writing songs that he thinks belong for the rack and tours or the dead. Well, like he delineates yeah. which go where, and he so the buckets thing is not new. It's new that he has
2: his own bucket. Yeah, he's got sub-buckets. sub, sub buckets. Yeah. <laughs> the man's got buckets. So many buckets. For, for his buckets. Yeah.
0: Interesting, though. Um.
2: Does he have a, this is a Jack Lawrence bucket for the tours. <laughs> Does he have, this is a, I saw Ashley Monroe in the news the other day. She, she just got over her, I think it was a skin cancer. She had some oh, kind wow. of oh, blood cancer. Speaking of tours, Ashley yeah, Monroe, wow. uh, I'm glad she collaborator with Brendan Benson and the Tours. I'm glad she got
0: uh, over that. That's great. I find it interesting he did a barrage of radio interviews because that, that is, is norm. kind of unusual.
2: Yeah, he did a few. So Board, the last- Boarding House Reach had a couple. I yeah. mean, he did the the I. Tunes one, the, the what was the Lars Ulrich yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He did that one. Yeah, that was a good
0: good interview. He also did Little Steven's Underground Garage on February eighth.
2: Interesting that he he went there. I'm. It'd be nice. It would have been really cool if Co was the interviewer, but you know. Uh, yeah, you know, because <laughs> there's I, the connection there. There is the connection. It's so funny to me. I don't know how close he is
0: with people from back then. You know, we know that. He obviously invited the Dirt Bombs to play at the 10-year, and we know that he and Co. had a little exchange. But sometimes I get the impression, and again, as an outsider, that people from that Detroit era are still kind of targeted. Almost like how you know we have high school friends, but I really only have like one or two high school friends still to this day. I feel like at a certain point you kind of whittle those down a little bit.
2: I'm, yeah, you grow and you change. You grow right? and Interests, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah your you life changes. And, and,
0: yeah, yeah, right. I'm not, that's not to talk derogatorily about any of them, but yeah, like the different eras of your life. I feel like you inherit a couple close ones that that hang with you. Like Ben Swank is obviously one of those. Um, Dominic certainly is one of those, but. It's I don't I don't know if I don't know how close he is with those guys. So it it, it I don't know. I don't know if it had anything to do with Go. maybe maybe it did. I don't know. I'm
2: Yeah, I have I have no idea either. Um but it is uh, it's just a, a wishful a, like it would have been cool to hear them chatting because yes. we know they did like you said at the 10 year they they were they were backstage and and talking, but eh whatever. I mean it's just an interesting coincidence at this point. Yeah. So that's when we
0: get to february 11th here a second single drops fear of the dawn the eponymous track of the record rolling stone jack white has released a bruising new song fear of the dawn the title track from his first of two 2022 albums oh maybe that's it it's 2022 and he has two albums in 2022. Mm, a lot of twos one album two albums and then the year maybe that's the three is that a thing i don't know
2: i don't think that's a thing all right whatever jesus
0: fear of the dawn finds white back in his always bountiful hard rock bag Pairing a heavy lead riff with some wild. Get
2: get in my hard rock bag.
0: (laughs) Theremin action, and spending as much time singing as he does shredding. White also directed the music video for Fear of the Dawn, which boasts a grit caked blue, black, and white color palette, and features White and his backing band performing the song at an appropriately tight, chaotic angle. Fear of the Dawn follows Love is Selfish, which again we'll talk about on the next episode, which White, released back in January, and will appear on his other 2022 album, Entering Heaven Alive, out July 22nd. Interesting 22nd, two albums, 22. Is that a thing? The two tracks, however, will also comprise a limited edition 7-inch single album, Pressed on tricolor vinyl that will only be available at Third Man Records locations in Nashville, Detroit, and London on February 19th. Fear of the Dawn and Entering Heaven Alive mark White's first solo releases since 2018's Boarding House Reach, while in 2019 he reunited with the Rack Tours for their first album in a decade. Tying the two new solo albums together will be White's 2021 single, Taking Me Back. Fear of the Dawn will open with the regular version of the song, while Entering Heaven Alive will close with a different version. So, I like Fear of the Dawn. I find it a little, um, punchy. I don't know. Aggressive? It's, it's brief. Yeah. It's kind of aggro. It's short. It's got don't bother me vibes. A li- yeah. A little. Yeah. I don't know. What were your first thoughts on, on, uh,
2: Fear of the Dawn? My first thoughts were, it's got don't bother me vibes. My second thoughts were, I need to listen to this again. Cause I didn't absorb it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the first time, Cause It's funny, until this moment, I forgot Fear of the Dawn and Love is Selfish came out, even. (laughs) Because, like, I listened to it the day of. Yeah. And was like, oh, cool. But then it just kind of left me. Well, it sounds an awful lot like taking me
0: back. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It's a little... It's like a more... It's like a punchier... I hate to say forgettable version of that, but... the song sounds it's
2: quick yeah yeah a minute and a half or whatever it's it's very it's very quick maybe it's not a minute and a half maybe it's two minutes but you know what's interesting
0: is that i play you know a lot of music in the car and eleanor you know will usually not complain about a track but she does not want to hear that one because she feels it's loud even though the volume doesn't change the fact that the fuzz is on there makes it seem loud to her mm-hmm. so she covers her ears and and she says too loud too loud too loud and i, <laughs> I guess that kind of sums that song up to me <laughs> it's real loud without being actually loud yeah
2: i like it a lot i know but like the more i sit with it the more it's it's not my it's not one of my favorites but I like it. It. Um, I remember I talked to Josh Aiken about it the night of, and he's like, "Oh, what do you think of it?" Because it came, it came out that that night, and I was just like, "Oh, I liked it." And he went, "It's got a lot of, it's got a lot of sounds."
0: <laughs> yes, a lot of sounds happening. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, I,
2: he wasn't a fan.
0: <laughs> it's fun. I think
2: <laughs> it's kind of meat and potatoesy for him. But I don't... It feels like Boarding House Reach. Yeah, it does. It does. And I I think it's not... That view of it is not helped by the fact that the music video has him, Dominic, and Quincy in the masks. Right. And it just... It felt uh, very, very Boarding House Reach in the music video as well, but...
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I liked it. I, it's one of those songs that I saw, that I listened to for the first time with the video, and that'll give you a different impression of things.
2: Um, did you? Did we talk about the Taking Me Back video? Because I liked that one a lot. Oh, you
0: know what? I, I think you mentioned it. I, I mentioned it. Yeah, that video's great. I, I mean, of the two, I like that one more. I mean, there's, I think there's just a bit more going on. The visualizer's... For all these are really cool too. In fact, I'm really happy we've got those. He's been doing really awesome visualizers since. Well, I guess Boarding House Reach. The tours ones were awesome that he did. Um, the Help a yes. Stranger ones. Those were really great. But I I like the visualizers a lot.
2: Yeah, and I uh, I watched the. Fear the Dawn one in uh, with the visualizer, yes. not with the music video at first. Yeah. So I saw the... Oh, you did. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw the, um, the solar eclipse uh, image. Yeah. I waited.
1: For...
0: I waited on that one. It was a time when I never would have waited.
2: <laughs> 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 I don't know. I forget what exactly happened. You know what it was? Ariel was staying with her mom because we were getting our ceiling redone. And she didn't want to be around it. And so I was just like bachelor reverted to bachelor life. Yeah. And I was up at like three in the morning and saw that was on Facebook. And I was like, all right, I'll watch this visualizer for this new Jack White single. I didn't remember was coming out today. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's good. So I don't mean to be so down on it. I mean, it's it's good. It's a really good tune. I mean, it's just, um, yeah. We talk about a lot, a lot about expectations today. This would be mm-hmm. the type of song I would expect. Ooh,
2: the harshest criticism yet.
0: Well, I don't say it necessarily in a bad way, you know. I, I think, I don't know. I, I'm getting more excited about the, um, the country sounding stuff.
2: The love is. I mean, I know we're gonna talk yeah, about, we're gonna about it about later. That love that is thing. selfish yeah, was was better. Very,
0: yeah, and I, I, like you know. Well, we we'll get you know. better is sub- subjective. So, yeah, I liked it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're good songs. They're good songs. I, although, it, yeah, it paints a real picture. I think we understand what we're gonna get here. We're gonna get, tr- you know, traditional aggro jack rage with a lot of fuzz. This
1: one,
2: I, I got that on the mic. Yeah, he's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be purring
0: all over that. Um, well, that brings us to the third single that was released uh, at the time of this recording, only this past week. Heidi Ho. <laughs> is <laughs> it was, it was the third track that was released as a single interesting choice for a single it's the track featuring q-tip and i will read the pitchfork review of oh no this song this is the revised pitchfork review after they changed it
2: oh, okay i was gonna say i, I want to read the the revision that jack posted yeah. today you can't say he didn't try
0: <laughs> oh god Jack White is bored, and who could blame him? He's beaten every level of real-life guitar hero, unlocked every character, and he seems to be on a quest to relieve an omnipresent boredom. Sometimes that means collaborating with Beyoncé or working with a reunited tribe called Quest. Sometimes it means generating a minute's worth of wet fart sounds with his guitar before launching into a Cab Calloway sample on a song featuring Q-tip. And that was the thing that they got wrong initially. Mm-hmm. They thought it was some sort of racist thing. Which, frankly, I did not know, because I didn't know the Cab Calloway thing. So I would, I was equally unprepared for that. Uh, it's a stretch to call whatever is happening on this single from his forthcoming album, Fear of the Dawn, Heidi Ho, a collaboration More like two superstars fucking around for their amusement. For what it's worth, the two men were clearly having a ball. Q-Tip sounds exuberant on his verse, name-checking Chuck Berry, Mariah Carey, and Stevie Wonder's confusion before White crashes back in, singing about finding your joy and your vibrations. Why? There's no why to anything on Heidi Ho. Just a lot of why not. It might be a joke or it might not. Certainly not all that good. But at no point during its chaotic, pointless four minutes does Jack White sound remotely bored. Good wow. gravy. <laughs> that's that's a spicy
2: meatball. Woo! This is the sort of review that Jack White lives for <laughs> to troll. Uh, which he does, and I know he, I mentioned it a second ago, but he he his instagram posted this the correction that they made which was that uh you know an early version was misidentified a cap callaway sample um as an imitation of a muzzin call uh which he then says pitchforks jason green doing exhaustive music journalism research again maybe google the title next time jason <laughs> <laughs> pretty good pitchfork then had posted about this on their instagram earlier and i like i i read this this afternoon uh just just on i just wanted to go on a little dive i just wanted to go to a little dive of the comments for that one uh myself and you know what maybe we should do that here Uh oh (laughs) first comment overrated his whole career wow uh do you guys ever do positive reviews anymore I'm sorry, your writers couldn't even do a two-second Google search to realize this track sampled Cap Calloway's Heidi Ho Man. You can say the reviewer didn't try, though. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Roasted. (laughs) That's good. Um, This article is trash, gatekeeping jerks. Um, (laughs) Now... This isn't Ninja, which Ninja is a Twitch star who uh, has blue hair and plays <laughs> Minecraft, or uh, he plays Fortnite.
1: Oh, my God,
0: now i would like to say that i think that there was a non-douchebag way to write that article because i must confess james you know i love the weird from jack Mm -hmm. when i heard this song the first time i thought this has crossed a line which is interesting because i like his hip-hop stuff and i like Mm -hmm. his weird stuff it Mm -hmm. took about three listens for me to be like okay I think I like this and now I listen it's kind of stuck in my head and I kind of like it but on first bluster there was a wave of what that hit me on this and you know I, I say all of this coming from a place of positivity about the man obviously but it, it I don't know I feel like there is a boundary pushing here that is getting close to a line I don't know whose line that is for whose box I'm thinking of. You know, whose you, line is it anyway? You,
1: cre- I mean,
0: <laughs> you create your own box. You don't have to listen to any other label makers spitting your obituary. I get that. I guess I'm looking at my own box and I'm thinking, this is, this is very experimental. It reads like blues on two trees for me, where I listen to that and, and at first I go, what huh. the fuck is this? And then I think, well, that's audacious but I think it's a weird choice for a single, you know?
2: I'll agree with that. I don't think this is his commercial... S- I, I, it's a strange thing to, yeah. to put out there weird. As, a, as a front for the album, but I did not feel that way, which is strange because usually you're the one to embrace the weird yeah. immediately, uh, right. and I'm the one who, who takes a little bit t- of time to warm up to it. And, and in this particular instance, I... We were
0: flipped. We flipped.
2: I listened and I was like, this is great. Yeah. I loved it because... I wasn't sold until Q-Tip came on, but um, the the intro, I was just waiting for Q-Tip to come on, <laughs> and I think that was my problem with the intro. Uh, when I re-listened to it, I was like, oh, this has some like Pink Floyd vibes yeah, yeah. to it, um, which it was kind of neat. I was like, all right, I, I dig it. But I was like a minute and a half, actually on the, on the dot, I think it's a minute and 30 seconds on the dot is when Jack starts talking about his jive. Which is and, <laughs> which is great. And you and I talked about
0: <laughs> when yes. the snippet came out.
2: <laughs> yes. And the, the Cab Calloway stuff, I too thought it was Jack.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it was, him.
2: It sounds like him. And I was like, that's strange. Yeah. But once Q-Tip started rapping, I was like, oh, this is the shit. This is great. Well, this, he's great in is, it. Yeah. He's the star. It's su- such a good... I wish it was longer because I want more of the Q tip rap to Jack's skronking. Is yeah. that what that other <laughs> person wrote? I want that. I want more Q tip rap to to the skronking. I thought it was great. I was like, oh, this is this is actual actual bars, yeah, which I've wanted. And and then the the outro is where it started to lose me again at first, where I was like, okay, they're they're just saying "Heidi Heidi Ho" a lot, which is fine it struck as a little bit stretched but the 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 meat of the song yeah was excellent and then uh, upon further listens i appreciated the rest ariel when listening to it was cool with it up until a point and then she said there's a lot of weird sounds going on and i need you to turn it down cuz you're going to wake the baby there's we found <laughs> the, we found the line <laughs> i think i found the line and it was around the heidi heidi ho uh repried, it reprise. Out. Didn't taste good. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, you know,
0: I uh I, I would take ice station zebra over this. I think ice station zebra to me is a better this. And I Ice Station Zebra, I I think you can draw a line between Lazaretto the track, Ice Station Zebra, and this song. It's like Pokemon, you know. This is the final <laughs> version of it. It's completely morphed into rap, like literal actual rap. And I I don't know, I don't like the first two I'm totally sold on. Ice Station Zebra is probably my favorite track on Boarding House Reach. But I don't know, for this one it took me a minute.
2: I think the confidence in which this was presented outshines Ice Station Zebra massively. Yeah, I really do. I think this one... Does what that's trying to do, but better. And I think Jack understood that having somebody who was already proficient at rapping was the best Uh, foot to have rap on his album
0: and and authenticity.
2: And he's all. uh, I'm sure he hates that word, but but there is an authenticity to it. Yes, but it, it sounds it sounds polished. Whereas I think Jack likes to rap and I think he enjoys rap. And I think what the music demanded in this particular instance was somebody who could flow in a certain way. And Q-Tip was able to do that. Right. Um Whereas I think Ice Station Zebra, I think he's, he's, he's doing it, but I think he's a little bit rockier. And I think in this particular instance, it works uh, a lot better.
0: I guess I don't know Ice Station Zebra to me sounds like a jack song this just sounds like a bunch of weird noise and Q-tip which is fine again it's blues on two trees this one is that's why I'm I'm equating it more to that where it is a it seems more like an experiment than a an executed tune Ice Station Zebra has the jack you know all that stuff and there's like a real solid hooky flow to it this one doesn't really have a hooky flow much at all. I mean, the the hook on this one is that Q-tip is rapping on it. Um, yes. Which is
2: fine. And that hook has latched me.
0: And I Good. Am,
2: I'm glad. I'm hooked. I'm not saying I don't that. like it.
0: In fact, I've gotten to the point where I quite like it. I just prefer Queen of the Bees, which we'll discuss next
2: time. Again, yes, I also do prefer that. But <laughs> I, I feel like Queen of the Bees also has a... I know we're going to talk about it later, but the. I think this song having Q-tip's vocals on it Sounded stronger than Queen of the Bees' vocals.
0: I thought his voice was in great form on Queen of the Bees, but
2: I thought so too. I just there's something about the the I guess Q-Tips energy and confidence. Yeah, yeah, he's technical skill uh, that really you know got me. Anyway.
0: So that's it, James. That's the, uh, that's the latest and greatest up to, uh, up to the minute coverage. You'll only find here on the third men podcast on a two week delay. <laughs> we're really looking for our third person this week was the album fear of the dawn, which we're really excited about. We thank everybody for joining us on the show, as you always do. We're really, uh, just so happy with, um, the reaction to this, this past season. And we're so excited for the new album albums from jack white and we uh, thank you all for joining us on this journey we want to hear what you think so far of the album i mean we know you haven't heard it yet but what are your feelings on it you know tell us in fact tell us in a review that would be a great way to do it instead of going to our social channels which you just do too you can go on your podcatcher of choice leave us a five-star review and tell us what you think of fear of the dawn so far it could be a good or bad review. We don't care as long as your review of the podcast is five stars. <laughs> so please do that, uh, and thank you to everybody who's rated and uh, and reviewed so far.
2: Hey, if you all could just stop what you're doing, go on to
0: rateus.thirdmanpodcast.com.
2: So if you all could stop what you're doing and go to rateus.thirdmanpodcast.com, and leave us a five star review but also make it a Pitchfork-style takedown of us, I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Or you you could do a Pitchfork-style takedown of Pitchfork
2: as well. Just do a Pitchfork-style takedown of
0: someone. Yeah. Say the phrase wet fart. That's the thing. There was a nice way to write what that guy wrote. That guy, I think he might be onto something that Jack does kind of sound a little bored and he's trying to like branch out. But that is not the same as saying wet fart noise. Like that's a dick review. Like that's somebody who's writing a really mean spirited thing. Whereas like I think there's a legitimate critical view you could take of that song that is not being a douche about it, you know?
2: Right. And all of the wet farts this person is probably <laughs> hearing because his head is so far up his own ass. <laughs> so,
0: anyway, thanks everybody for joining us this week and every week. And until next episode, James, I will be looking for a home inside of a bubble created by a
2: wet fart. Wow gross yeah get out of there <laughs> and i will be looking for a home oh boy
0: huh really uninspired today huh <laughs> i had something and then it left we usually have people I... on the show that help change the energy but instead it was just us in a you know yeah Feeding each I will other be like looking like like a like a dwarf star that's about to implode and become a black hole, like,
2: like a like a fearful Ouroboros. Mm-hmm. like an anxiety ridden Ouroboros.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I will be looking for a home mm. uh, as the latest member of a tribe called Quest because Q Tip is gone. Wow, and they don't like me very much, <laughs> but I like them, and I want them to. Love me and respect me. It's an
0: interesting dynamic. All right, everybody. We'll see you next episode. Bye. Let's
2: go back to our song.
0: Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not for profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100 plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough, but if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right. That's all from me. Remember you can head to patreon.com slash third men podcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. Alright everybody, I'll see you on the show. I'm
1: John, Campbell.
3: I'm Paul, I'm John, I'm And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week
0: on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Uh,
2: let me let me let me figure this out. This is again great audio. Let me google a thing. Up, oh, James uh, is googling. All right, uh, third man, London phone booth taking me back. Those are my search terms. Let's see what, let's see what I get. Uh, okay, phone.
1: Recording.
0: Jelly Bean. Ellie, shut up. She, she can open doors now. <laughs> Goddamn philosopher. <laughs> Ellie ple. Ellie. That is recording with Uncle James. More lunch! I gave you chicken and rice! <laughs> okay, I'm gonna up my big game. pile of stuff here. That's going to be good audio. Just great audio.
2: Just a lot of piles, big piles of paper. Big Piles of paper. Big piles of paper. Powered
0: My game is really loud to... Because my voice is still a little weak, and the line that that hold up just created in the audition is it looks like I did damage to something
2: (laughs) (laughs) well Paul's making sick gains and it's time for hold up our um
0: which you've never used once I don't think the shared there have been podcast notes document um now has 261 pages worth of notes on it. And that's not counting all of the uh, individual episode notes sheets or your note sheets.
2: It's a lot of notes sheets. It's a lot of notes.
0: I actually now don't know how I found this.
2: a magical tab opened up it may have been
0: like I don't know where it came from actually
2: at all you
0: know what no I do know where that comes check your cookies Paul you'll know where it came from I I gotta check them cookies and stick them in my hey this
2: episode is off the rails I love it it's crazy (laughs) um rate what is it rate us dot wait what's our rating (laughs) thing Oh no. I'm going to open it up.
0: I haven't opened that thing up in a long time.
2: <laughs> it's dusty. It's dusty in there. Dusty.